Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, September the 22nd, 2022, and we are continuing our study of the big book and the chapter more about alcoholism, page 30, the first paragraph. Most of us have been unwilling ending with many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Today's readers are the 12 Steps, Jen P, the 12 Traditions, Nancy R, and readers of the text, Reva P, Nancy R, and Larry K. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, September the 21st, the 7 a.m. meeting, 19431. And the 10 a.m. meeting, 19432. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the people who, sorry, to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Jen P. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Jen. Good morning, Lynn. Uh, this is Jen P., grateful, compulsive, recovering compulsive overeater from New Jersey. These are the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Jen P. And Nancy R. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much, Lynn. Uh, I am Nancy R., a compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may, we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you so much for letting me do this terrific service, Lynn, and I pass. Thank you, Nancy R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, Everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're starting the chapter, More About Alcoholism, on page 30. Reading the first paragraph, most of us have been unwilling. 
and Reva P. Could you get us started, please? Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. More about alcoholism. Most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics. No person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it's not surprising that our drinking careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could drink like other people. The idea that somehow, someday, he will control and enjoy his drinking is the great obsession of every abnormal drinker. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. So um, I feel privileged to read um, this paragraph. Um, just setting my timer. Okay. Um, so this chapter I have learned is more truth about alcoholism more about relapse, or basically, why do I come to OA? Because it's telling me about the ism. If I just had a problem with an allergy to food, I could stop eating those allergic foods. If I was a normal eater, and I didn't have that phenomenon of craving, um, diets would work. But this chapter explains um, the insanity of my thinking, it explains why in abstinence, I can easily go back to the food because of my broken thinking. My thinking is the thing that will take me back all the time. And that's the ism part of the disease. And for me, when I came in, it wasn't so hard to, um, to acknowledge that I was bodily different, like the physical allergy you know, was so clear. Um, because the binging was so out of control and crazy. I knew that once I started, I couldn't stop. But I had no idea that my thinking was um, insane, um, off, incorrect, um, not reality. Um, I didn't really start realizing that till the food was down and my mind was just going crazy. Um, and when I started doing my inventory, um, I realized that there might be another way to think of or perceive of the world and people and circumstances. And I love how it goes from um, illusion to delusion to insanity um, because they're all what goes on in my mind um, and control and enjoy. Yeah, if I was controlling it, I wasn't enjoying it. If I was enjoying, although by the end I wasn't really enjoying, I just was compelled um, to, to, um, to get my fix. Um, and when it says, I pursue this into the gates of insanity or death, it's the death of my spirit, like just doing the same thing over and over um, and getting awful results and not knowing how to get out of it. Um, and I'm so grateful that in abstinence, if I stay close to the steps, which help me stay close to my higher power and build that relationship, um, I can really... Um, be very aware of my thinking and get it to go back on track. It's sort of like, you know, those sensors in the car, when you go out of the lane, it's like, boop, 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 you're getting off track. Um, and I think that's what step 10, 11 and 12 do for me. They get me back in alignment, um, put my thinking back on track and unblock me so that God can just um, 
do this thing for me that I couldn't do for myself. So yeah, like it says in the previous paragraph, this chapter helped me realize, yeah, I have this thing. I'm one of them too, not just with my body, but also with my thinking. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared Tuesday or Wednesday, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once as it does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Amy G. Katie G. Stephanie, Stephanie W. Elizabeth K. Liz E. UK. All right, let me tell you who I heard in case I missed anybody. I've got Amy G. Katie G. Stephanie W. Elizabeth K and Liz E. Did I miss anybody? Rena L. I heard Rena L and there was somebody else in there. Rachel K. Great, that's our lineup. Thank you everybody. We have Amy G, Katie G, Stephanie W, Elizabeth K, Liz E, Rena L and Rachel K. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Maryland. Um, grateful to be on the line today. Um, this whole idea of the mental obsession, this is what we're we're getting into for this chapter. And I love when it says here, vain attempts to prove like we could drink, and I like to add, or think like other people because as was shared in the prior share you know it was all about my thinking if i knew that certain foods were going to create that havoc in my life why is it that i kept thinking that it was still a good idea to have those foods no matter what the consequences or no thinking at all or be standing in front of the you know in front of the refrigerator five bites into a binge going how the hell did i get here Vain attempts, another description, producing no results, useless, worthless, vain attempts to control. I mean, it talks about it in the Vision for You chapter in the second paragraph. It says, you know, this idea of trying to control. Um, there was an insistent yearning to enjoy life as we once did and a heartbreaking obsession that some new miracle of control would enable us to do it. There was always one more attempt and one more failure. And then, of course, would come the four hideous horsemen of terror, bewilderment, frustration, despair. Unhappy drinkers who read this page will understand. You know, I understand what those vain attempts were. My human, my thinking, my brain was a liability. My experience, I couldn't bring to the forefront of my mind a memory of the prior binges. My willpower was not sufficient. None of that was sufficient to stop me from still thinking that I could put those binge foods and those ingredients into my mouth. And then of course would start the phenomenon of craving. They say this disease is full of the three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance. 
And finally, when we're dying, desperate, and doomed, we come to this program. And I'm so grateful that I know that today. And it took a lot of hell and torture of compulsive eating to finally concede, to finally concede to my innermost self, skipping forward a little bit here, spoiler alert, you know, to my innermost self that I am a compulsive eater. And that has to come at step one for me. Only I can make that choice to choose to say that I am powerless and then work this program. And I feel like step one in the AA 12 and 12 says it the best. It says every instinct cries out against the idea of personal powerlessness. It is truly awful to admit that, I'm going to say food in hand, we have warped our minds into such an obsession for destructive eating that only an act of providence can remove it from us. And to me, what is that providence? It is God through the process of working these 12 steps. So grateful today to be here on the line and be reminded. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. Katie G, it's your turn, followed by Stephanie W. Good morning, Katie. Please press star one to unmute. Still can't hear you, Katie. Lynn, can you hear me? Now we can. Lynn? Thank you. Uh yeah, <laughs> I'm powerless. All right, KG, recovered compulsive eater. Um, you know, it really strikes me, um, pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. Since I was a little girl, I had this desire to be someone, right? Like I just thought if I could be someone. And who did I want to be? What was my illusion? What was my false, erroneous perception of reality? If I could just be sin. If I could just be thin, if I could just control the food, if I could just be thin, if I could binge my brains out and be thin, I would be okay. Everyone would love me. Everyone, everyone, everything would change. My family would change. I'd be popular. I'd get the boyfriend, the boobs, the blonde hair. It would all be perfect. And I want to talk about insanity or death in the rooms of OA. I want to talk about the insanity and death that comes when you start lying, when you start slowly slipping, chipping away at the integrity of your program, where you, when when it's more important for me to get on the Peloton bike for two hours and to be lying, when it's more important for me to be losing weight that I don't have to lose, when I'm blocking out the idea that abstinence is the action of refraining from addictive foods and addictive food behaviors. Because frankly, I'm here to say that the obsession of the mind to have hot fudge Sundays is not very hard for me to put down. What's hard for me to put down is this delusion, this false psychotic belief that the only way I'm going to win in this game of life is to be thin, and that will bring me to insanity or death. I have been told in the past years of my life I, the, the damage, the incredible damage that has happened to my bones, to my nervous system, to my lungs, to my GI system, to my other systems that I won't mention, the damage that has done, and yet I don't care. I had this delusion that people that were teaching Peloton were my friends. They were my friends somehow, these imaginary people, right? Because I wanted to control and enjoy my life. And I thought if I could just get to this one thing, I would be okay. You know, and, um, and thanks be to God, this chapter really could be called Why I Need God. 
because somehow God got down to me where I was, where I had scraped myself down and said, Katie, you're not living. It doesn't, you, you need to come back, right? And the only way I can start getting honest or getting, get to God is getting honest. Because the thing is, I could eat and I could drink on the truth. I could tell you I'm, I don't want to exercise. I know the consequences and then still do it, right? But thanks be to God, through the power of God and these 12 steps, I'm going to live today. I'm not insane today. I can see my children today and I'm not obsessed today. This program, hold on to your seats. It will change your life. Whatever you're suffering with, God will change your life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. Stephanie W., it's your turn, followed by Elizabeth K. Please go ahead, Stephanie. Hi, I'm Stephanie W. from Florida. Um, Happy to be on the line this morning. I've been struggling with uh, emotional sobriety. You know, I have seven years of abstinence from sugar and my trigger foods. Uh, but the second I stop my practicing, the sec- I mean, maybe I'm not picking up the food, but the second I stop doing my step 10 or going to meetings or seeking an in-person meeting or arresting my thoughts and exercising the pause and all the different slogans that we have or my daily readings, the stinking thinking comes back and you know, I've got a lot of life happening right now, just like everybody else, but you've got family members that are dying, or one that's declining and one that is dying. And boy, did it take me out emotionally. Boy, did it take me out. And it it just was a feast for my disease to jump right in and say, oh, I've got an answer for you. You're depressed? Okay. Um, Let's party. And it's just, you know, all of a sudden that bondage of self starts to seep back in. And I'm so grateful that because I really did get honest in this program, because I was willing to get honest by the grace of God, I was brought to my knees in this program. I was, I'm not able to unsee what I have seen. I am forever changed. And I was able to stop before I picked up food and get to a meeting, get to an in-person meeting yesterday. And you know what? It wasn't an OA meeting. It was an AA meeting. Whatever length necessary, it is, it's the same program. And now I need you guys because you get what I do with the food. You get what I do with the food. And so I'm just grateful to be here. I'm humbled by how, you know, though I thought I accepted the life on life's terms and, you know, that whole hubris of, of got this, kind of took a hold of me and oh the rationalization starts to come back the food starts beckoning and I think I I came back to my my practice uh right in the nick of time uh thanks I pass thank you Stephanie W Elizabeth K it's your turn followed by Liz E good morning Elizabeth Good morning. This is Elizabeth Kay, recovering in Massachusetts. Um, of course, as most of us have been unwilling to admit we were real alcoholics. And I think back several years ago when I was going through every program I could think of, pay and way, whatever the latest diet was. And, 
you know, I'd have a measure of success and then fall, a measure of success and fall. And um, I was speaking with a counselor and she had said to me, I really think that you need outpatient care. And I was like, outpatient care for what? And she's like, food addiction. And I still couldn't believe, I don't know what she's talking about. I just need some more willpower. I can do this. And it wasn't until after a relapse of being in my kitchen and seeing how I was just, I could not eat another thing and still being hungry and still being wanting to eat and realizing I have a problem. I really have a problem. And there were even times in the last relapse where I'd have a little bit to eat that I shouldn't have. And the next day I was right back on program and I thought, I can do this not realizing that the disease was progressive and that every time I did that, it took longer and longer to get back on program until I could not do it anymore. And so today I'm grateful that I've come to the realization that I have an addiction, that I am a compulsive overeater and I have a, a food addiction and that God's shown me that and is helping me through the, the 12 steps um, to be able to um, be abstinent today one day at a time. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Elizabeth K. Liz E., it's your turn, followed by Rena L. Please go ahead, Liz. Good morning. Uh, good afternoon. It's Liz Eve Elegant from the UK here. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and available to sponsor. Thank you so much to, for everybody for doing service here. I'm a shout out to my sponsee who's listening and not and is poorly just really want to say what an amazing paragraph i looked up the word vain um and it says here vain is having or showing an excessively high opinion of one's appearance abilities or worth or producing no result useless both of those apply to me with regard to food i believed before uh, becoming recovered i could control my food or i believed that this amazing diet that I was going to do was going to do it this time I believed that um, the crazy things that I did with food um, and the crazy things that and I ended up in hospital in intensive care I had a three-year-old child I put my health at risk and my poor daughter through that agony and it was because of this disease and what I did and what I the lengths that I went to I did not understand that I was powerless over food. I also believed I could be like other people with food. I just didn't understand it. And I know I've talked about this before, but it just is just the most baffling thing. But today I understand that if I go out um, to a restaurant, I need to eat abstinently. I cannot be like other people and select anything off the menu. I need to look in advance. I need to be really careful. I need to pray. I need to pause. And I need to plan. And that way I keep my abstinence. Because everything about me and food is powerless, 100%. And I am not like other people. All of my friends, they're generally in the same size jeans that they were 20 years ago. And that is an utterly baffling thing to me. 
and they just get up in the morning and they just eat normally. But I am not like my friends. I am different. But today I know that and I know that I do not want to pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. Anyway, um, thanks a million, everybody. Um, get in touch. My number's on the directory. I'll pass. Bye. Thank you, Liz E. Rena L., it's your turn, followed by Rachel K. Welcome, Rena. Hi there. Hi, this is Rena L. from Ohio, a recovered compulsive overeater. And I feel like crying saying that because that's my first time saying that. And um, I've been in this program a long time um, to be able to say that. And I, um, so first, I just wanted to say how grateful I am. I was so nervous to say it. I was like, just get the words out. <laughs> um, and what I want to say is, you know, like no one wants to admit they're a real alcoholic. Like when I say I didn't want to admit I was a real compulsive eater, I'm a real food addict, I'm a real anorexic, I've had to relapse over and over to learn the lesson. I don't know if I have to, but I did. That's the journey, apparently. Um, all the things I said I would never do in this program, because that's, I'm not really that way. I don't really need to go to vision. I don't really need to work it out of the big book. I don't really need to weigh and measure. I don't really, I don't really. Um, and the truth is, is I need every bit of it. I need to do all of it. Because guess what? I really am all three of those things and, and then some. And so I'm just really grateful. I'm just really grateful for today to know that really down deep, <laughs> I am an addict for all of it you know, and that, um, and that there's a solution. I can't believe that there really is, but there is. So I will keep coming back. Thank you. Thank you, Rena L. And Rachel Kay, it's your turn. Good morning, Rachel. Thank you. Hi, this is Rachel Kay, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in the great state of Indiana. Um, yeah, I, you know, something finally makes sense to me after years and years and years of reading the big book. I always thought, like, why do they put more about alcoholism after there is a solution? Like, wouldn't it be like, okay, you get the doctor's opinion, you get Bill's story, then, you know, tell you more about alcoholism, then, you know, but guess what? There's a solution. No, because if I, you know, first we've told you you have this disease, it's awful, there's no hope for you. You know, and then you told me more about how I'm different. I think I may stop reading <laughs> before there is a solution. Like, I'm, I'm glad they put there is a solution. Guess what? You know, you're not doomed. Um, and then we tell you, you know, but guess what? You are, you, this is how you're different. Um, and I am not just, you know, it says physically, um, mentally, I am different. And you know what? not the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. I am different, but I already know there is a solution, and that solution is God. Not only am I different in that I can't eat spontaneously. Um, you know, people, I used to live in a great restaurant city, and people would say, oh, there's such great restaurants, and where do you, you know what? There were also great museums. Blind people don't go to a lot of museums. I you know, I could go to restaurants, but you take me to a five-star Michelin restaurant, it's going to be wasted on me. You know, where can I get my chicken breast and my vegetables? Um, 
but that's okay. So not only am I bodily different, but I'm mentally and spiritually different. I can't live like other people. There's things just like I can't afford to eat sugar. I can't afford self-righteous anger. I can't afford to be a right fighter. I can't afford, you know, lying, whether it's cash register dishonesty or any other kind, lying to myself. You know, other people can do that. That's fine. Um, And, you know, I'm just going to be wasting my breath and my time if I bemoan the fact that, well, other people, you know, get to sit around and talk about other people or bitch or, you know, complain about whatever or, or fight for their side. Um, I just, I can't do that. It's something I can't afford to do. Why? Because it's deadly. It's not just, you know, oh, I want to be virtuous and not engage in those character defects. It's deadly for me. It's, it's like picking up a handgun and, you know, that's got one bullet and spinning it, playing Russian roulette and thinking, okay, is it going to be this time? Is it going to be this lie? This resentment that takes me to a binge, that takes me to a full-blown relapse, that, that you know, takes me to the gates of death once again. So anyway, um, yeah, I, that's all I've got to share. Thanks for uh, calling on me, and I pass. Thank you, Rachel Kay. For those of us who might have come on the line a little bit later this morning, we're starting the chapter more about alcoholism on page 30 and reading the first paragraph, most of us have been unwilling. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared Tuesday or Wednesday, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Melissa C. Anne Marie K. Harlan G. Cynthia C. Let me tell you who I heard because I did miss somebody. I've got Melissa C. Anne Marie K. Harlan G. Cynthia C. Who did I miss, please? Shanna C. Anyone else? Mary Sue. Mary Sue. All right. Our lineup is Melissa C., Anne-Marie K., Harlan G., Cynthia C., Shannon C., and Mary Sue. Please go ahead, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service this morning. I'm Melissa Seymour, recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York. And, you know, for me, I think one of the biggest um, things that I had to let go of, this, this illusion for me, delusion, was, was it wasn't so much that I could control my eating because I, I got that at an early age. Like, I, I knew I didn't eat in controlled ways, and I didn't even really want to. You know, I would set out – 
wanting to bend. But I think that what was really needed to, like the illusion or the delusion that had to be smashed for me that I didn't want to admit, was that I don't enjoy my eating. Like, I really thought, you know, um, that I liked eating, that food and eating was enjoyable for me. And, you know, the, the, my truth is that the only way that, I, and I do like eating, you know, that, but the only way that I actually enjoy eating is when it's committed, weighed, sane, measured, at a table, you know, clean, right? That's the only way that I enjoy my eating. But I used to believe, I would say things like, well, I just, you know, we're going away and I just want to enjoy myself. I just want to be able to eat. And that is such a lie because food was my master. And food did not allow me to enjoy anything, you know, demanded my full attention. And I think, you know, every time I was set off on this idea that I was going to binge, I had, I had, no ideas, no thoughts that I was going to be able to control it in that day. But I thought that that I could the following day, right? I thought I'm out of control now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna enjoy this binge, and then tomorrow I'll get right back on. And and that was the solution that had to be smashed for me because, um, you know, I I think back to even being a little girl when my mom was, you know, I shared this. My mom was bring out a cake, and before I even had a seat, I was longing for more, and that was my experience with food, and so if we're sitting here thinking, well, you know, it's almost the weekend, I'm just going to enjoy myself this weekend with the food, and get right back on Monday, that to me is the illusion, that to me is the great lie, I don't enjoy eating, but you know, it, it, it always leads to an empty hole, a longing for more, and that's so painful. And, and once I admitted that, once I really got that, being abstinent, and today I can enjoy my food, I can eat it in controlled manners. Um, thanks for that all pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Anne-Marie K., it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Please press star one to unmute. Uh, in Pennsylvania, I'm so grateful to be recovered today through this program. And it's just truly amazing to me how many times I thought that I, that's the problem, I thought. And when you leave an addict along with their, their thinking, you left them alone with a gun, obviously. Um, how many countless vain attempts to prove I could be like others. And as other people, I remember as a child, uh, I come from an uh, Italian background, and of course, you know, food is very much love in my family. And then on the other side, it was all German, and that was also the Pennsylvania Dutch side, love to eat. And I used to think to myself, boy, you know, my cousins are all so thin, but someday when I'm older, I'll be thin. And there's that line again, I'll be happy when I'm thin. Such a, such a delusion. Um, And I just had no idea it had to do with my thinking. Uh, But I did a lot of thinking. I did a lot of thinking. uh, My ego was strong, and it just told me it would be okay. Just do it again this time. Little did I know, again, it was all those things about myself that I disliked that caused me to have that illusion. 
I was uh, amazed last night. I was out for dinner with some friends, and it still amazes when people when people leave food on their plates. And the you know the addict in me goes, "Wow, that's amazing." But today, the good thing is, I don't have to eat off their plates anymore, and that is truly a gift uh, of this program to not to think, "Well, now that food must be mine." The delusion that I will be like other people today is just not there anymore because I know I'm not. I am a compulsive overeater, recovered day, contingent on working this daily reprieve. I have 24 hours, one minute at a time to remember that. I don't have to think about what I'm not going to eat in the future because the future doesn't exist in terms of food. I've got to stay in the thinking of this day only. Uh, That is something I never could comprehend. And I'm so grateful for that today because those countless vain attempts to prove I could eat like other people uh, certainly didn't make an impact on me until, you know, um, I was finally ready to surrender. And and today I'm just grateful that I have that willingness today and the belief in this program and all of you who get up in the morning to share the recovery that is possible when we surrender to a higher power. And with that, I'll pass. And uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you, Anne-Marie Kay. Harlan G., it's your turn, followed by Cynthia C. Good morning, Harlan. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you very much for your service this morning. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. In 1930, a book was written by a man named Richard Peabody, who was an alcoholic, and the title of the book was The Common Sense of Drinking. The sad, ironic part of this is that Richard Peabody died in 1936 of his own alcoholism, and what he didn't know was that Alcoholics Anonymous was started on the June 10, 1935. There was help available. But so influential was this book, The Common Sense of Drinking, that it serves as the blueprint for this very, very important chapter. I'm going to try to answer a question that was posed earlier. Why is this after the other chapter called There is a Solution? This was originally supposed to be Chapter 2, not Chapter 3. There was a guy, Tom Uzzle, who edited the book, and Bill Wilson's story from the back was put into the first chapter. It was never intended to be in the part, in the part of the book we see it today. But anyway... The disease that we have, the disease of compulsive overeating, has two characteristics. It is an allergy of the body, and it is a twist of the mind. But it also has three traits that we are going to study in this chapter. That What we're going to find here is not the story of men that were drunk and couldn't get sober. That is not what we're going to see here. We are going to see men who were sober who made a decision because of the buildup of emotions that were so painful to pick up liquor even though liquor had decimated their lives. And the three traits that this disease has are it's permanent. We're going to read the man of 30 who did some spree drinking we're going to see that his sobriety did not treat his disease. And within four years of picking up liquor after 25 years of 
of sobriety, he'll be dead within four years. We're going to see that the disease is permanent. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, that comes from Peabody. It is progressive. It gets worse over time, never better. When we read the iconic story of the jaywalker in every sentence of the jaywalker we're going to see the disease getting worse and worse and worse and worse it is permanent it is progressive and if untreated it is fatal it this disease will kill and we're going to see the man of 30 he's going to do some spree drinking and within four years he's dead so Richard Peabody's The Common Sense of Drinking, that book was so vital to the development of Alcoholics Anonymous that Bill Wilson's copy of this book is in the um, archives of AA as we sit here this morning. The Common Sense of Drinking was one of the four books that framed the big book, and the More About Alcoholism chapter will be the last of the chapters that will concern itself with step one. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much, Lynn, for giving me a chance. Thank you, Harlan G. Cynthia C., it's your turn, followed by Shanna C. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. This is Thank you for your service and everybody's service who has this meeting today and every day. This is Cynthia C., um, compulsive reader and food addict in Newton, Massachusetts, and I'm shaking because um, I feel like I need to get really honest here. So this is my home away group and this is where I got abstinence and in recovery. And I was in recovery for five and a half years and I worked for a really strong program, a really, really strong program. Um, but I just came out of a very short relapse. I mean, the relapse itself was incredibly short, a day or two, but um, you know, I'm okay. getting free today, um, and um, it's hard for me to admit this here, but it was really helpful for me to hear other people who had a strong program who had a relapse. So I wanted to share this here for, to do service and to be honest, to just be honest, because my disease makes me do insane things. I do insane things, and I think I can eat like other people. And when it gets down to it, um, you know, I let up on my spiritual program. I got caught up in my people-pleasing and approval-seeking. I got caught up in my kids being home for the summer and meeting everyone else's needs. And I got caught up in everyone else. Um, and I felt like, well, I don't have time to do it. I need an hour in the morning to prepare a meditation and personal inventory, you know? And I kept saying, well, other people need me. And... And I let that take over. I also started working, got really, really, really involved in another 12-step program in Al-Anon, which I desperately need. Um, and I really guess I don't know how to balance it. Like, I got caught up, and I was away with my husband, and I just started feeling like I could eat like other people, you know? And I, I started, like, adding foods in that were yellow light foods, which, you know, finally led to a red light food. And so... On Monday, I, you know, ate a loaf of bread, which is definitely not on my food plan. So, and I'm grateful that, you know, Tuesday morning I could get up and call my sponsors and be fully honest and, and just have them, like, give me love. Like, that was it. I was so afraid to be honest because I was so afraid that if I'm honest here, I start crying, but if I'm honest about what happened, 
and nobody will love me, that I will have let everyone down, and I won't be of service, or I won't be able to, like, show up and speak at the meetings, or I won't, whatever, like, I just, and I needed to be honest, um, and it feels really hard, so <laughs> I would love phone calls, I would love support, um, and, you know, I know that being honest um, and being more honest about what, what I'm eating and being more honest about what my abstinent needs, what, what are my alcoholic foods? Like there's some foods that I have down as alcoholic foods, which, which really aren't, and other things that I know on my food plan that shouldn't be. So I'm so grateful to be here today, and thank you all for the support that I've had. Cynthia C. from Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you, Cynthia C. Shanna C., it's your turn, followed by Mary Sue. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. This is Shanna C., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater uh, from Tennessee. Uh, thanks, everyone, for your service. I am so grateful to be on the line this morning, and I can't really think of anything I could really add to this other than my own experience and, and to add to what everybody else has uh, already shared. Um, other than I completely identify, um, as, you know, as someone who you, you know, as a compulsive overeater and that in and of itself to be able to identify and fully concede to my innermost self that I am a compulsive overeater is an absolute miracle. And the fact that I survived that, I mean, okay, uh, I just, I can, I can only share my own experience and how grateful I am for it. I get a little emotional when I think about it because, um, it says here, it says no person likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. That's, that's at the heart of, of every defect I've ever had is I just don't want to be different. Um, I don't want to be different from anybody else, but at the same time, because I'm so defective and because of the twi- mental twist um, and, the, and the action that I take based on that mental twist, I can't help but be different than everybody else and so I step on the toes of my fellows and they retaliate and then all of a sudden I'm on the outside looking in and wondering why I'm so odd and you know why does everybody else get to eat like that why can they just have a piece of pizza like why they're nibbling on an oreo um eat the damn thing already you know this kind of thing is, you know and now you but the, the twisted thing is I actually thought everybody thought like me that's how self-centered I am um, and I don't mean to be. That's the kicker, um, and that's why I need the power of a great uh, power greater than me to to save me from myself. And um, oh my God, the countless vain attempts that I could control and enjoy, and I identify so much with the idea and the fact that I didn't really even enjoy eating, even when I was eating it and eating what I thought I could eat as much as I wanted of the whole time my mind was saying you shouldn't be eating this you shouldn't be eating this you know you shouldn't be eating this you piece of junk you know you know you're going to get fat you know you're going to embarrass yourself but you're doing it anyway look at you I wasn't ever enjoying it I was you know and it was always I'll do better next time you know identify with that too what's so cool now is thank God for the grace that this that, that God has provided through this program and through the people that are willing to offer their help and, and all the tools that, that we get to use. Thank you. I'll wrap up. I appreciate it. Um, is I get to eat the way I always hoped I'd, I would get to at some point deep down in my heart. Like God has answered that deep prayer in my heart now. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. I hope you all have a wonderful Thursday and um, take care. That's all I have. 
Thank you, Shanice. And Mary Sue, it's your turn. And could we have the initial of your last name, please? Good morning. I'm Mary Sue F. from North Carolina. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, I could relate to every line. I love this paragraph in the big book. I could relate to every line. Um, but I'll just say, um, you know, I've, I've been in and out of OA um, for many years. I've, I've been abstinent, and then I've been out of OA and not abstinent. And, you know, it, in fact, has ruined my eating um, because I know when I'm eating binge foods or other items that I shouldn't be eating. But I guess the line that really stuck out to me today is the persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death. And, you know, I just feel like right now, um, I'm at that point still, you know, thank God there's a tradition that the only um, requirement is a desire to stop overeating, um, to come to these meetings, because I, I feel like I am pursuing it into insanity or death. I had open heart surgery the end of February, yet I'm eating in such a way you know, it's not just spiritual death. It, it's it's going to endanger my health physically. And, you know, I just I haven't been able to stop regardless of that, regardless of people telling me that at the cardiac rehab program. So anyway, I just had to say that, that I I probably need to read this paragraph every morning to remind myself I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you for letting me share, and thanks for all the outreach I received uh, on my first meeting. Um, thank you. Thank you, Mary Duhaf. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, September the 22nd, the 7 a.m. meeting is 19438. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Nancy R., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, this is Nancy R. Recovered um, in uh, Northwest Illinois. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. 
We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.